What a feed! Try to get stick on stick, limit those assisting plays. Passes off, there's the cut, and a goal! Absolutely mind-blowing. Terrific save, she takes it and scores! They don't make excuses, they keep believing. The woman up, they get the extra possession out of the false start. And there it is, a flamethrower from the stick. They turn good defense into a goal on the other end. Hi! Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Chicks with Sticks. I'm Delaney. And I'm Ash. And we are the Chicks with the Sticks, but you know that by now. Right. 41 episodes in, we think you get it by now. I would hope. I would really hope. Well, we hope everyone had a lovely Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I mean, I did. How was yours? I had a great time. Um, everyone keeps asking, and I really, for some reason, Seneca Falls, New York, just really hit like a Hallmark movie this this christmas this thanksgiving <laughs> this christmas um that's so crazy because like you basically live in new york city so yeah. it's like it's it's literally like you're in a hallmark movie i know big city big city lawyer who goes home to deal with some business or goes home for the holidays and then meets her true love i i don't think i'm meeting my true love in seneca county oh, but sorry it's a cute little thought. Right. Well, you know, maybe next time there's always Christmas. There's always Christmas, folks. <laughs> yeah. But we hope that all of your holidays were just as enjoyable as ours. Yeah. And, you know, there are more holidays just ahead. Only a couple weeks left of school. Finals time coming soon. Hell week, as some people re- refer to it as. God, <laughs> I know. Hell month, I'm not sure. Yeah, hell month, hell semester, whatever. Yeah, all of it, all of it, you know. All of the above. After this semester, I will officially be halfway through law school. That's so exciting. It's so insane. It's actually so insane. And you still want to do it? (laughs) You want to keep going? I, you know, because I'm into... Deep and I'm trying to keep up. Yeah, it's such a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, I'm kidding. I, I actually, this semester has been better. Things have been better. Good. It's not as miserable. It's just a different type of torture, I think. I but I think it'll say, be worth I think of the three semesters that you've been in law school, like this, I feel like I've heard you complain the least about this one. Nice hoping that we stay on that trend and and it just continues um but yeah I the hardest thing is that this summer I got a taste of what it's like to just work and now I actually just want to work so right only a year and a half more <laughs> right only well in other big news I mean I don't know if you want to share this on the pod but by the time this comes out, Ash will be successful in her senior year presentation. And I'm so excited for her. I was like, I wish you could see my face because I was like, what happened? What what don't I want to share on the podcast? Um, Yeah, so it is currently November 30th. And okay. <clears throat> so you will probably not hear this until a couple days from now because I don't know if I'll be able to edit before tomorrow. But... <laughs> Um, it comes supposed to come out tomorrow, November or December 1st. 
And December 1st is the day of my senior year capstone presentation. Um, mm -hmm. So I went out and bought some clothes for that. And um, I pre present at 11 o'clock tomorrow. Well, a little bit after that, but. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'm, I mean, Good. I'm not officially done because I'm really not officially done. And truth be told, my capstone is like probably the least of my words. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you know, I put a lot of work into it, so I'm pretty excited about it. Good. Well, everyone, we will keep you updated on how that goes. And I'm sure we will all be cheering on her success the next time you hear from us. Thank you. So this is just like a funny little thing, but you guys know at this point that Ash does the editing and I usually do the write-ups as long as I'm having a good idea week. Um, <laughs> but I always break mine up into the intro and then like meat and potatoes. Um, as you've heard before, Ash and I were just cracking up because this week I fully planned the fully planned the episode and it was totally my idea. And I was like, I'm just going to talk about this and then you can respond to it. And she's like, okay, great. Awesome. It's my capstone week. Do what you will. And I'm like, okay, no problem. No issues. Well, I was super excited because I'm super excited about the topic. And sometimes I obviously don't have to be serious in this writing and, and everything else that I write, I usually have to be pretty serious. And so I was really hyped. And so episode 41, I'm just going to read straight from the planning doc that we have. Episode 41, intro. Do I really need to plan this? No. Will I? Yes. Next bullet. We ask each other what's new, how we are. Next bullet. Both of us lie and say we're good and then half admit to lying about being good when really we just spent at least 40 minutes on a Zoom call catching up, explaining our struggles, laughing, and telling each other we will indeed survive. And... and <laughs> let me tell you we started this it is currently 8 47 and we started this recording at 8 41 so we <laughs> sat on zoom and complained for 40 minutes uh -huh. so she was literally right on the money with that one um yeah but that's what we did we catch each other up and we say that we're struggling we laugh about it and then we tell each other it's going to be okay but every week on the podcast we look at each other and go how are you i'm great <laughs> okay we, never, we don't like we don't like lie we just like don't tell you all of our struggles because that would be boring i'm like this is this isn't a podcast about that so right you know. right you all get the spark notes version mm -hmm. exactly oh yeah but i think it's funny yeah so now that we've officially went through all the bully, bullet points on the intro um <laughs> this takes us to the meat and potatoes um and today, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about the orange Syracuse lacrosse. Um, yeah, I, I love Syracuse. You know, they used to be really, really, really good, as you will soon learn. Um, I'm not saying that they're not good now, but, you know, no NCAA championships. Hopefully, we'll see some. Well, not, anyways. Anyway, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. It's another year. 2023 might be their year. Another year. We're excited. You know, there's no, like, I don't really have any ties to Syracuse. Like neither of my parents went there. No one in my family went there for college or anything. Um, I just simply live. My hometown is just 45 minutes away from one of the cloudiest cities in America. <laughs> and, you know, I haven't even really been to that many games. 
but I like it. It's, it's, it's a cool, it's just like, it was a college team that I grew up like knowing about. And so now, now that I actually understand sports, I'm going to root for them because right. of and their that, proximity. Right. I think, and that, to me, that feels like equivalent to Penn state for me. Yeah. Like it's just like a very well-known team, a very well-established program. They have good athletes and their athletes like do things and you like hear their names in other places other than lacrosse because they're actually doing stuff and that's how I think Syracuse is for people who grew up in New York yeah exactly like now that you know um college athletes can have sponsorships and stuff like when you go up and like our station our radio stations and stuff like you hear from the athletes and things um oh wait really that's so cool yeah yeah it's fun it's it's really neat um also like growing up my dad always liked Syracuse. I've been to a couple of their football games. My marching band in high school, they used to have like a a local day where like a bunch of the local marching bands would go and play with the Syracuse marching band. And it was like a, it was a pretty big deal. Um, and so that was fun. And then we would go for the football games and I've been to a couple basketball games and I've, I think I've only actually been to one lacrosse game, but like I've seen them play before. Um, so yeah, at the Carrier Dome, you know, we're there. But do you know what people consider the greatest lacrosse team of all time? Syracuse. (laughs) Gosh, how did you guess? (laughs) I don't know. It's just a lucky guess. I even closed the notes so I wouldn't get any spoilers. Okay, very nice. Um, Wait, I also just (laughs) have to note for everyone that ash has laid down on her futon with her big um sloth and in the wilkes across t-shirt and is cuddling i don't know what the other stuffed animal is but she looks very comfortable first of all i'm on my bed no one no one yeah no one with a spine should ever lay on that futon it is disgustingly hard and horrible and i know that delaney doesn't care but I think it's awful and I feel really bad when people come over and have to sleep on it. I would be like, please, please share my bed with me. I don't want you to sleep on that awful futon. But anyway. Okay, but, but one, I have took numerous naps on the futon. Two, when when I have laid in your bed, like I lay my feet end up like above my head. Somehow. It's true. I have it's a true. I have a four inch memory foam mattress pad on my bed and it's like sleeping on a cloud. But often you sink into it, which is what memory foam does. <laughs> but I I don't know. I love it. But that mat or that um futon is the staunch opposite of the mattress pad. But anyway, it is my sloth who is wearing a Wilkes across t-shirt. Yes, I am wearing my Chicks with Stick sweatshirt. And this is one of those things that you can put in the microwave. Like you, it's like a stuffed animal that has like beans in it that you put in a microwave oh. and like a heating pad. Um, Marion oh. got it for me. It's an elephant. Cute. Uh, yeah. Very nice. Anyway. Uh, now well, that yeah. We, anyway. Now that we painted a picture of the scene. <laughs> Syracuse is the uh, best lacrosse team in the world. The best lacrosse team ever um, is, okay, I'm redoing this. Many people consider the best lacrosse lacrosse team ever to be the 1990 men's Syracuse lacrosse team. So just to bring some context here, very similar to UNC this past year, their season was 13 and 0. However, unlike UNC this past year, 
every like almost every single game was a blowout. Okay. Two games that were kind of close. And that was the North Carolina game, which ended up being 14 and nine and the Johns Hopkins game, which was 18 and 10, but Oh, I guess. Oh, actually the um, UPenn game was 15 and 12 also, but every other game was like, like St. John's was 26, nine Adelphi was 26, eight. Um, even in the NCAA championship first round versus Brown 20 to 12 UNC 21 to 10. Loyola in the championship, 21 to nine. Holy like, crap. Yeah. I mean, literal blowouts. Right. Um, and not like the first game of the season, like in the NCAA tournament. No, exactly. They, I mean, just to give some context, they went, they had been pretty good for a while. So in 1988, they also had a perfect season going 15 and zero. And then in 1989, they went 14 and one both years. Um, They also won the championship, but like everyone knew that Syracuse was going to be a really tough team. Um, But hold on. Can we just imagine losing one game in three years? One, one game in three years. Actually, I've never experienced that. So no, I cannot. I just mind-boggling mind-boggling I can't even imagine how hype that is um yeah so everyone knew that Syracuse was like the team um their coach at the time was Roy Simmons Jr. who um him and his family were like Syracuse lacrosse bloodline kind of people in the 1990s season their team set the um NCAA record for most goals per game at 20.85 the highest scoring margin which was plus 11.31 and the most points per game which was 33.31 i mean just insane oh yeah yeah so there are some pretty insane statistics even now as a whole in the 1990 season the team ended up having seven all-americans they had five first teamers Greg Burns, Gary Gate, Paul Gate, Tom Marichak, and Pac- Pat McCade. They also had Matt Pallum, I think is how you say his last name, on the second team, second all-team American rec- recognition, and Eric Holbrook with an honorable mention. But the two people that I really want to highlight are Paul and Gary Gate. They were huge assets to the team have you ever heard of them um the like g-a-i-t yes like the brand yes then yes yeah (laughs) i'm just curious so paul and gary gate are actually from victoria british columbia canada they were both, I mean, I, I'll give you their birthday now because it's up. Um, <laughs> they were born April 5th, 1967. Um, wait, so they're, what are they? April 5th. So they are 55. They're Aries. Oh, I thought you were, Sorry, I thought you were doing the age. 
No. Zodiac sign. Love it. Uh, which is pretty cool. And they're considered some of the best lacrosse players of all time. So I'll kind of just run down each of their little resumes, as you might call it. So Paul and Gary were both midfielders. Um, I know Gary also was like midfield attack. They ended up helping lead Syracuse to three national championships while they were at Syracuse, which is like actually just insane. I can't, again, cannot even imagine. Um, They played from 1987 to 1989. Paul was selected first team All-American three times in 1988, 1989, and 1990. And he was also named most outstanding player of the 1989 NCAA Division I Lacrosse Championship Tournament. So after college, they both went on to play for Mount Washington, the Mount Washington Lacrosse Club in the 1980s. So they both played in the NLL, the Western Lacrosse Association, and the MLL the major lacrosse major league lacrosse and um they've also both played at the international level for the canadian national team so paul was a three-time winner of the man cup mvp award and they were both named co-mvps of the man cup in 1999 um when they played for the victoria shamrocks which is kind of cool because they got to play for like their home um Paul initially retired from playing following the 2002 NLL season, but then actually returned in the 2005 season and played for the Colorado Mammoths. Um, Also with Gary. I don't know. I think it's cool that they always played together because I don't know this past NCAA, this past spring in the NCAA championship, there were two brothers, one played on Cornell and one played on Rutgers. And I mean, obviously like you don't have to go to the same school as your sibling, but they literally ended up, like in the championships, were they in the championships? No, I don't know if it was the championships or like the semis, but they were playing against each other and the parents' t-shirts just said, go red. Which is pretty um, yeah, so I can't even imagine balancing that as a family. <laughs> so continuing on, Paul is sixth all time on the NLL points total list with 712 points in 13 seasons. Um, again crazy um in 2001 paul was named the mll playoff and championship game mvp after leading the the long island lizards to their first title with a record-setting seven goal performance in the championship game and in 2001 paul led the nll in goals and points and was named the league mvp paul retired early due to early onset osteoarthritis in his back ankles and elbows But in 2005, both Paul and Gary were inducted into the United States Lacrosse Hall of Fame. And in the following year, in 2006, they were both were among the five charter members to be voted into the NLL Hall of Fame. Um, Paul, Gary and Jim Brown were also named the NCAA All Century Team, which I didn't even know was a thing. All Century Team had no clue. Um, Right. What what even it? What even is that? Is that still a thing? All century? All century. Not all decade. Not all year. A hundred years? Uh-huh. Like, what? 
So we're going to kind of rewind a little bit. In 1990, Paul represented STX as a sale representative. And then in 1994, Paul actually started GB Lax, which is a lacrosse specialty retail business, which is located in the good old Syracuse, New York. Um, but then in 1996, Paul sold GB Lax and became an independent lacrosse equipment design developer for Jade Bear and Son, where he developed a line of lacrosse equipment for the softball ma- manufacturing company. You see where we're going with this. Um, and then he was hired full time in 1996 and he worked in various roles there until 2011. And then he ultimately became company president between 2003 and 2011. And then in his tenure, he was credited for developing the modern women's lacrosse head, Apex, and has revolutionized the women's lacrosse pocket. He also introduced the Gate brand of men's lacrosse equipment in 2003, and then it quickly became the world's leading producer of women's lacrosse equipment and Canadian box lacrosse gear. Um, In 2011, Paul also founded Team 22 Lacrosse in Gilderland, New York, and that is the exclusive license for Under Armour lacrosse products. He is also the founder of Lax Pocket LLC, which is the country's leading producer of women's lacrosse pockets. Both Lax Pocket and Team 22 Lacrosse are located in Albany, New York. Um, and additionally, Paul was named the head coach of the Rochester Nighthawks on um, in December of 2008, where he coached for two years. So that is all about Paul. And now we will give the rundown on Gary. So obviously they were twins. He was also born on April 5th, 1967. Um, and again, he also played with his brother at Syracuse lacrosse at the Syracuse lacrosse program from 1987 to 1990. Um, Gary was actually named an all American four times, three times as a first team selection. And once as an honor, honorable memory, um, I'm assuming the honorable memory was probably his freshman year <laughs> based on statistics. Um, and so Gary graduated as Syracuse lacrosse's all time goal leader with 192 goals. And um, he was named the NCAA player of the year in 1988 and 1990, and the most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament in 1990. Uh, So this is, this is really cool. Um, Both of them are widely known for popularizing um, the BTB. They are like the OGs of the BTB, which is kind of cool. And then they also are known for this thing called the air gate. And I will send you the link because you have to see this, but basically the air gate is them is Gary jumping from behind the goal crease and scoring mid air by dunking the ball over the top of the goal crossbar. Wait, I totally seen that. Yes. Okay. Hold on. Let me show you the YouTube link that I have. Um, it's insane. It is now banned by the NCAA. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Obviously, well, you'll see in a second, but he does land in the crease, which obviously now if you land in the crease, it's not a goal. Um, So, yeah, but it's, it's kind of, it's crazy. You just, you just have to watch it. We'll put this on the Instagram. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, I just think 
um them what's the point of the creek he just ran i mean he just completely went into it and landed in it but i think because he technically jumped okay before he can land in it you just can't like run into it yeah like how we can like how our sticks can finish through the crease theirs can their feet could have finished into the yeah that's what i'm assuming they just couldn't like go in the crease to shoot i guess right but yeah that's wild um I was insane. Because of, yeah, because of that move, uh, Gary Gate was called the Michael Jordan of lacrosse, which is sick. Actually, just so sick. Um, But yeah, so banned by the NCAA now for obvious reasons. Well, Um, yeah, you know, I mean, you as a goalie, how would you feel if someone was just leaping? Oh my god, I would be so mad. I would be so mad. Although, I don't know. I would be mad. That's where I'm leaving it. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be great. So, Gary Gate started playing the in the Major Indoor Lacrosse League, which is now known as the NLL, in 1991. He was drafted by the Detroit Turbos actually got both Gate brothers in a controversial double pick. In this season, they won the MILL championship and was given the Rookie of the Year award. Gary played with Detroit for just one more season before both him and Paul were traded to the Philadelphia Wings in 1993. The trade was also highly controversial as the Wings had traded all of their draft picks to Detroit for both of them. All of them. Crazy. All of them? All of them. Every single one to get the two of them. Right. I kind of get it, but that's insane. That's like unprecedented. Exactly. So they played for the Philadelphia Wings for five seasons from 1993 to 1997 and visited the championship their first four years on the Wings and won the title twice in 1994 and 1995. Gary was voted league MVP in 1996 and 1997 and was crowned championship MVP in 1995. He spent more time with the wings than any other single NLL slash MILL team. And that's where he's like most remembered for playing at our second tournament this summer. We mm-hmm. at the, at the proving grounds, the, and the, uh, the wings mascot was there and we, our, our girls took a picture with him. Oh, wait, that's cool. Yay. Um, one of my, well, my best friend since birth, Sheridan lives in Philadelphia and she's kind of getting into sports more recently, but it was really funny. We were on the phone this past summer and she was talking about the Philly teams and she was like, Oh, I, I actually know Philadelphia's lacrosse team because my on my commute to work every day I see the signs for them and I was like oh my god yeah so that was pretty funny that's so cool yeah um yeah so in 1995 Paul was actually traded to Rochester and this is where they become separated and um they were separated until they played together again on the Washington Power in 2001 but Gary was traded to Baltimore for the 1998 season so he could play closer to home, um, which obviously 
not closer to Canada. I'm assuming it's wherever they were living. Him and his family were living then. So he played on the Baltimore Thunder from 1998 to 1999. He only played two seasons with them. Um, And on his first year on the team, they went to the championship, which was a new best of three series style. Um, They were defeated two games to zero by his former team, the Philadelphia Wings, which kind of has to sting, Um, you know. He was still voted league MVP for the 1998 season for how much he helped the Baltimore team improve. And then in 1999, Baltimore went eight and four in the regular season, but lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Rochester Nighthawks. Funny because that's his brother's team. Um, And then the Baltimore Thunder relocated and became the Pittsburgh Crossfire in 2000. So Gary moved with the franchise. So in Pittsburgh's only season, they went six and six and missed the playoffs. This was the first time in Gates NLL slash MILL career that he missed the playoffs and he would only miss three times in all 18 years that he played. After this eh season with the crossfire, um, they, the team then relocated to Washington, DC, where they became the Washington power, which honestly, I don't know. It, it makes me wonder why they relocate so much. And then they're like, oh, one bad season in Pittsburgh. Let's pack it up and move it to DC. Like, I don't, I don't get the thought process behind that. Right. Like, uh, I, like, I'm wondering if like investors were like, we are not putting our money into this. And DC is like, we'll take it. We'll p- give you money. Yeah. For it. I mean, I guess I'm assuming so. It, but like maybe- one season, holy crap. Like let, leave them, let them have at least two. Like, I know. A minute. Like, dang, <laughs> crazy. Um, so the, oh, so Washington power actually only existed for two seasons, 2001 and 2002, but they made it to the playoffs. Gary was there for both of the seasons. And so was his brother, Paul, and they reunited for the first time since 1994, when they both played in Philadelphia, um, in 2001, Washington lost in the semifinal game to Toronto with a final score of 10 to 9. But in 2002, Washington beat Philadelphia in the quarterfinals 10 to 11 before having a rematch with Toronto in the semifinal where the power was defeated 11 to 12. The Washington power faced low attendance and as such relocated to Colorado, where they became the Colorado Mammoth. As with the Thunder and Crossfire, Gate moved again along with the franchise as it relocated again. So then Gate played with the Colorado Mammoth for three seasons. In his first game in the 2006 season, Gary was honored by the team. And on December 30th, 2005, at the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado, the team raised his jersey number, which was number 22, to the rafters, making him the second player in NLL history to have his number retired after Buffalo's Darius Kilgore. The team went to playoffs all three seasons, but never advanced the championship, unfortunately. And... Gary announced his retirement following the 2005 season. He was then voted into the NLL Hall of Fame along with his brother, Paul, after retiring and became the head coach of Mammoth for 2006 and 2007. But he stepped down as head coach in August 2007 so he could pursue other interests. However, fast forward a couple of years, four years, Gate returned to the NLL in 2009 when he rejoined the Rock. 
the Rochester Nighthawks. During the 2009 season, Gary was named a reserve to the All-Star Game. Um, 2009 would also mark the last time that Gary would visit the NLL playoffs as an as the Nighthawks missed the playoffs in the 2010 and 2011 seasons. Following the 2011 season, Gary announced that he was retiring from the NLL play for good to pursue pursue the career of coaching. Um, He has the second most career goals of any player in the the NLL with 635 and the highest goals per game average in league history with 3.207 goals per game. He also tied with his brother for the most goals in one single game, which is 10. And he had his number, yeah, he had his retire, he had his number retired by Colorado, and he is also a member of the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. Um, but hold, <laughs> he also had an MLL career. He played um, in the Major League Lacrosse. Nope. Gary played in Major League Lacrosse since its inception in 2001. He was a member of the Long Island Lizards, and after his first season, Gate was traded to the Baltimore Bayhawks, where he served as a player coach for the next four years. In 2005, Gate won the Steinfeld Cup as a player coach. His, he scored six goals in the championship game and was named MVP of that game as well as the season. He initially retired from the NLL play in 2005, but then he returned and signed with the Hamilton Nationals for their inaugural season in 2009. But just wait, he also had a Western Lacrosse Association career. He and his brother um, had outstanding seasons with the Victoria Shamrocks, and they won the Mike um, Gary won the Mike Kelly Memorial Trophy as most valuable player of the Man Cup as a Shamrock in 1997 and shared the most valuable player with his brother Paul in 1999. So also we're moving on to his coaching career now. So in June 2005, Gary was named head coach of his former NLL team for the Colorado Mammoth. After a 10-6 season in which the Mammoth finished second in the Western Division, Gary led them to an overtime win 18-17 over the over Calgary and a 13-12 win over Arizona before shutting down the East Cha- Division champion Buffalo Bandits 16-9 in the championship game. He became the first rookie head coach to win a championship championship since Tony Rush did with the Philadelphia Wings in 1994, which is kind of funny because he played for them. Um, And then in 2007, Gay ended up stepping down after two seasons and returned to his alma mater, Syracuse University. And he became the second head coach in the history of the women's lacrosse program. Um, Prior to his position, Gay had served as an assistant coach for the University of Maryland women's team for nine seasons. And then in on February 3rd of 2011, um, Gate was announced as the new coach, assistant coach for the Hamilton Nationals um, team in the MLL. And then on June 6th, 2021, he was named head coach of the Syracuse men's lacrosse team and replaced John Desco. He also had um, an international lacrosse career. Um, he was obviously a member of the Canadian team in 1990, 94, 98, 04, and 2006. In the final year, he led Team Canada to a 15 dead, 15 10 victory over the United States in the 2006 World Champion World Lacrosse Championship, 
um, as his last ever international game. Gary scored four goals in the final quarter, marking a fairytale finish to his international playing career. So that is his just like little rundown. Um, I'm not going to run off all of their statistics, but it is uh, pretty cool to go and look at their statistics and then go look at like um, Syracuse's record book and whatnot. Um, I also just think it's a pretty cool, like now he lives um, in Fayetteville, New York with, you know, his family and whatnot. So Gary's two kids, um, Brandon and Taylor, both also played college across. Brandon played at Princeton and Taylor played at Syracuse under Gary from 2013 to 2019. But yeah, so Paul and Gary were clearly both extremely influential in both Syracuse lacrosse and lacrosse as a whole, um, professionally, Gary even being extremely influential in women's lacrosse, which is so cool. And I didn't know that. I mean, like I, like I said, I knew that the gate name was because of two brothers, but I didn't know like how much they like I knew, you know, obviously like Charlotte North plays with the gate stick. Like I know that it's big in women's lacrosse, but like I didn't know that they coached women's lacrosse. Like that's crazy. That's so cool. Yeah. And I mean, he is pretty awesome. I mean, well, both of them are really awesome. Obviously, like I see all of my players, my little sixth graders, even with gate sticks now. Um, and then I, like I've I've watched him coach women's lacrosse and when the women's lacrosse team was like when I was finally like being able to like watch the championship it was him coaching so just pretty cool and I guess I just like upstate New York hey here we are because like Maryland and Long Island obviously like get big names for lacrosse but like central New York has a pretty good program too like it's growing so much and it already has and you know they're obviously like a big part of that, which is cool. Um, yeah. So now that you kind of have some background on the team and who some of the most important people were on the team, that is where we are going to leave this story for now. Um, come back in another two weeks to hear about the infamous 1990 Syracuse Men's Lacrosse Championship and what happened during the game, but more importantly, after the game and throughout that season as a whole. Um, I hope that you guys don't mind me leaving you with a little bit of a cliffhanger. Guess what? We don't care if you mind. <laughs> we are very busy humans, and this is a pretty long story. So, right, but the background is necessary. And I didn't know a lot of that. So, that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. Um, we hope that you enjoyed this episode and you are excited to hear about what happens next. Um, as always, you can follow us on Instagram at Chicks with Six Podcasts. You can email us chicks with six podcasts at gmail.com. You can buy some of the lovely merch that I'm wearing right now on our link tree in our Instagram bio. Um, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. And as always, we will catch you on the flip side. Bye.